Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, 21st day of uh, June 2018. Uh, We're here with our Co-host. Uh-oh. Hey, we're still here. You keep going. Ladies and gentlemen, we're having a few technical difficulties right now. Just stay tuned. I think we'll pick up here in a minute. Yeah. Hello? Hello. Hello. Yeah, we still here. Where's Paul yeah, we're at? Still on. Yeah, we're still on. Uh, uh, I don't see him nowhere. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> Where's Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell me we got. Hold on a minute. I got the VA on the other. <laughs> it's a bad time because you did. Yeah, a terrible time. Okay, I'll be back. Okay. Hello. 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 There we are. Uh, what's Paul's number? No. Good question. Uh, Lucky number oh. seven. <laughs> well, he said he'd be here. Okay. Uh, Okay, just a second here. I'll track it down. No, he's back east there. He Uh, he might be in California. He might might not have set his clock. Oh, surely not. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Open. Yeah, folks. Uh, yeah, we do need to talk about DBQs. Uh, yes, we do. Lincoln, Lincoln, it's called. LinkedIn. I LinkedIn. can never get it. Here we go. Paul sent me a message. Okay. 
I have his number here. Can you dial it? I'll give uh, it to you. Uh, let me try it. Hang on a second. Do this or not? Let me see what I can do. Hang on. Let me get my, let me get my set up here. Okay. Okay. Give it to me. It's 301 Okay. Hang on. Be right back. Yeah. Sorry about delay, folks, but uh, things have got turned sideways again. We're blaming on podcasts. They're doing the best they can, I guess. Voicemail, Gerald. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, you did you leave him a message? Huh? No, I think it's full. It was full? Yeah, let me try it again. Oh, let me try it again. I'll try to merge these calls real quick. Okay. Yes, sir, we had a good show planned with Mr. Paul Sullivan. He's with Bergman and Moore. Uh, something must have happened here. Not sure what. If this is urgent, you may dial me at my cell phone, 202-491-6953. Thank you. Oh. Hey Paul, this is John Basher with Haddock Radio. I'm just calling to check in with you. Uh, thought you were going to be a guest on the show tonight. If you can, uh, if you get a chance, calling the show. It's uh, call number three four seven two three seven four eight one nine. Option one. Thanks. Oh, well. To send, press 1. To erase and re-record, press 2. To listen to the recording, press 3. To mark the message urgent, press 4. Or message sent. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. I guess we're talking about DBQs, Jerry. 
I guess we're talking about DBQs. And what is a DBQ? Is it a duck-billed quacker jack, or is it, what's it called? Well, actually, I don't have much faith in them. Uh, well. The actually, way uh, DBQs, from what I could figure out, I filled, had several filled out. Now, I took my DBQs yeah. to my primary care team position and had yeah. them fill it out. And according to what I could get out of the instructions, which it has to be pretty simple, uh, but that's what I understood is that they're designed uh, for your primary care physician to fill out. Now, they did fill them out. It took them two or three months, but they did do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one bad thing about a DBQ is that there's no place for an opinion. Right. Now, but here's the kicker. I yeah, and if you take them to your doctor, usually they just check a box or two and sign the name and send it on. And that's yeah. incomplete and, and totally worthless. So. Well, I filed for an increase last September in claim. And, uh huh. So, in the VA, when you. You probably tell me benefits and say what forms you need. So they they told me I needed this DBQ form they sent to me on the line. So I opened it up, looked, and I filed for heart disease. And I got the yeah. DBQ for high blood pressure. I got the DBQ for hypertension. So I didn't do anything with it. And uh, a couple weeks later, I decided to go ahead and get the DBQ for the heart disease. So I pulled it off and had my cardiologist fill it out. And I scanned it back into the VA, and I kept getting this warning. The claim has been taken off the uh, off the list as a fully developed claim because you don't have uh, the proper DBQ. Well, they sent me the wrong DBQ to begin with, and I thought they might have been done on purpose. Knowing the Louisville Regional Office, they're pretty good at stuff like that. So I sent it to them, and then they took me for a CMP exam, and uh, you know, and it was a pretty positive exam. Yeah. And then uh, just before I got my decision, they went back and sent the examiner a DBQ. Uh, and guess what this DBQ had? Guess what this DBQ had listed? No telling. A place for a medical opinion. It did. Yes, it did. Is that a new one? A, a new uh, no. That's what they send to the examiners now, the C&P examiners. That's the only way they can request an opinion if they request it through an examiner. You don't have that option, but they do. Well, that's not right. It's a stacked deck, ain't it? That's horrible. If you file for a claim, if you file for an increase, if you file for anything service-related, Make sure yeah. if you file three benefits, make sure they send you the proper DBQ. You know, if you file for a headache, well, yes. they send you the headache DBQ. They got DBQs for everything, I believe. I don't know. 
Well, you know, they they usually oops, I made a mistake tactic, you know, but that's not really a mistake. It's uh they're very, very well versed in how to uh how to, to delay stuff, so mistakes cause stuff to delay them. Well it uh now why would they uh, allow a a CMB examiner a location there to uh, put an opinion and and not uh, a regular you know if you took one to your doctor and they filled it out he he don't have a spot for opinion I don't (laughs) make sense well that needs to be changed I don't and want you going a to a regular doctor. There's a way we can get that changed, though. I think we can do some political stuff and get that changed because it needs to be changed. The veteran and his doctor needs to have the same benefits the VA and his doctor have. Unless it's for PTSD, and uh, you really can't give an outside medical opinion for a PTSD claim unless the doctor's treating you for PTSD. Yeah. You can't go get in on this. They put a they stopped that stump a couple of years ago. Yeah, they did. Uh, my land. Just make sure, make sure you get the right DVQ. I like to be able to see it uh, change to where they can use, uh, you know, any doctor can write their opinion on there, you know. And the only difference is, is the CMP examiner, the VA examiner has access to the entire record to the computer system. And if it's a VA record, then the outside doctors are not going to have that unless you take it to them. That's right. And that's a very important thing, you know, records are reviewed. Unless you've been seeing this doctor for a long time. You know, a lot of folks shouldn't go to VA to use outside doctors. Well, you, you, uh, I don't know how many out there had their file on a disk, uh, their claims mm-hmm. folder on a disk. Now, you could take that with you to your doctor, and that would give him access to all your records, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is what I would recommend. He could print mm-hmm. it off on, or run a copy on his computer, and yep. and then he could review it and go, uh, do a proper job. Uh, now, how many doctors would do that? I don't know. The doctors right. I took mine to just, uh, and uh, here you go, there's no place for them to make an opinion. Right. Uh, right. Or a They can add it, though. They can add, they can add a separate paper. But does mm-hmm. that paper stay with the DBQ? Uh, that we don't know. If you write C attached, if you write C attached everywhere, every time you fill something up, put C attached. C attached. Uh, that might be uh, an avenue to take. Yeah. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. You know, because there's a. Uh, you know, and of course, they've got their own. They've got their own request for opinions and things like that to happen. You know, they, a lot of them like to ask leading questions because they get something in the back of their mind that they think wrong with you or call something. They'll, they'll come out and blurt it out. 
Yeah, yeah. It's up to the doctor to, you know, to, to put it to bed. I've seen it happen two occasions myself. That's the worst well. thing about it, though. We, you know, they're not they're not supposed to be allowed to practice medicine, but they sure try to make some diagnoses on it. <laughs> oh, you right about that. I uh, I just never done any good with DBTs, even though the BA filled them out. Maybe that's a mistake, yeah. but. Uh, no, once you get your foot in the door, the process gets easier, girl. Well, once you get your once you get your foot in the door, it gets easier. Uh, sometimes you got to buy a new pair of shoes because you had to kick the door in. You ruined your shoes. Yeah, get your foot out of a bear trap. That's what you got to do. Get him right now. Oh, yeah, big old bear trap. <laughs> big old bear. Big bear. <laughs> but, uh, the hey, DQ, you know, I couldn't, uh, uh, now that would have hey, to have a different room. form. Oh, we do? Right. Call, are yeah. you in there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, you have a question or a comment? Oh, I've been coming in and out on the line. Um, how oh, y'all doing? Well, pretty good, by golly. Uh, well, yeah. we're just having yeah. fun in Washington, D.C., watching VA. We never know what's going to happen next. Well, ain't that the truth? Uh, I keep uh, my fingers crossed, I'll tell you. I, I, I keep looking for something very positive. Uh, you hear a lot of talk, but uh, <laughs> you, you just don't see much. Uh, well, the biggest the biggest issue right now is that VA has between 30,000 and 50,000 vacancies. So we're all wondering, hey, you know, um, if a veteran needs a claim process fast or wants to see a doctor, is the veteran going to be waiting? Ah, usually they are. And uh, they keep talking about this privatization of, of the VA uh, medical stuff. Uh, I don't really think that's going to happen, but I'm, I could be wrong. Well, it looks uh, like it's happening. It's kind of in a no-person zone right now in that the, the president signed a law authorizing it, meaning it can happen, but Congress hasn't passed a bill because only Congress can do it that authorizes yeah. to spend money to do it. Okay? It's kind of like yeah. you got permission to build the bridge, but I'm not going to give you the money to buy the steel and hire the people to actually build it. Well, that's where we're at, it sounds like. Uh, like this choice thing, uh, it's, <laughs> it sounds good on paper, but when you go to use it, it ain't worth it. Uh, I t- uh, they tried the hospital over here, tried it 
on me. He sent the bill to the VA, and they sent me a big fat letter making it quite clear they wasn't paying the cent. <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? <laughs> VA told me to use choice. You know, I'm a veteran, and, yeah. and I applied. So, so VA tells me to apply. Then VA turns me down. Then I appeal, and VA turns me down again. And then I get another phone call that says, well, we want you to appeal again. So I appeal a second time, and I get a letter that says, your appeal has been granted. So you want to know what happened? It took another two months of phone calls for somebody to say, oh, your appeal was granted? Um, now we have to set you up an appointment. <laughs> oh, my land. <laughs> that took and then in the meantime, your bill's going to the credit. <laughs> oh, credit I, collectors. <laughs> well, you know, you know what one veteran told me, Gerald? He said that private care is not ready for us. And in fact, the, the the Rand Company, they're they're like a think tank here in D.C. They looked in the state of New York, and the the private doctors, sure they can handle somebody who's got a knee problem or a back problem or diabetes, but veterans have lots of problems that go together. And then you add in things like Agent Orange that you know and I know about. And then you got PTSD yeah. issues, and then you got burn pits and Gulf War illness and radiation. So you know what my litmus test is? When I finally sat down with the choice doctor, I said, do you know that our tanks use uranium as ammunition? And the guy looked at me like I had grown horns and a tail. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you got to be kidding me. And I Showed him on my phone, the Department of Defense. Yes, our ammunition is made out of uranium. He says, oh, you shouldn't be anywhere near that. Did you breathe any of that? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> he said, well, that explains why you're sick. And I said, well, can you write that down? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just a contract doctor. Well, then he ain't more right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like a whole new way. What do you say, Daryl? To you know, get us lost on the the, the 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 jungle trail, the desert trail, the yeah. paper trail, version ninety nine from VA. Yeah, the hamster wheel. Well, Just let's talk about claims. Talk about claims. Well, that's uh, yeah. You're right. They did use. Uh, and I guess they're still using it, uh, DU, depleted uranium, and uh, which is a pretty deadly round, actually. Uh, well, you know, having seen it at about, oh, 100 yards with my own two eyes on the battlefields of Iraq and Kuwait, the weapon works well. However, if our military is going to use the weapon, they have to take care of the sick troops. Yeah, they've been following behind on that kind of stuff. If you have a leg blowed off or an arm blowed off, they might take care of you. But then, uh, you know, if you have a 
traumatic brain injury, they have a tendency to look the other way. Uh, so uh, if, if you got wounds that show bullet holes all over you, then they say, well, I think this veteran was shot. Uh, but if you go in there with a mental issue or exposure issues, which a lot of veterans are, are showing up now with exposure issues, and they can't prove nothing because uh, the BL say, well, what was you exposed to? Uh, how many people know what, how many veterans know what they were exposed to? They were exposed to something made them sick as heck. Uh, so uh, exposure issues is, you know, a kiss of death because the VA sure don't want to compensate on those. Well, we're watching VA do the same thing, Gerald on the burn pit veterans for yes. the Gulf War, Iraq War, Afghanistan, and all the countries around those areas where they had to burn pit. And the VA says, oh, we'll set up a registry. And then 140,000 veterans sign up on the registry. And then you know what VA does? Nothing. Nothing. No, no research, no data, no benefits, no medical care. It's a scam. VA Sets up the registry to buy time, and I've explained well, this in face-to-face meetings next, with congressmen, and they don't next get it. step is uh, their next step is is uh, they have to uh, investigate it or research it, uh, and that'll kill two or three years, and I don't know how many millions of dollars. Then they'll come back with a bunch of hoops to roll. And uh, after a year or two, they'll say, well, we've got to do another uh, investigative research here. Uh, we didn't get the right numbers, or we we don't know all the different agents that was used uh, that veterans were exposed to. They got a cock and bull story for everything. And, uh, see, I was in the Project 112 Shad uh, fiasco, and uh, they just don't want to release any information of what, what you were exposed to. Veterans that was at the burn pits and, and in that area, uh, uh, my lands are going to have a really rough time. They know they had all them different agents there. They had nerve agents. They had mustard agents. They had you name it. Uh, and the United States gave it to to Iraq. I mean, that's oh, a long yeah. country. So oh, they yeah. know exactly what's there. Well, it all comes down to money and and right now what VA is trying to do is is slow the train down. Now, what that means is VA slows down the claims, VA slows down the appeals, 
That means VA slows down paying the money and slows down providing the medical care. And then Congress gets to say, gee, we didn't raise your taxes. And, you know, that's really what it amounts to because, you know, I remember testifying in front of Congress eight years ago, Gerald, that our country right now owes about – owes about $1 trillion to $1.5 trillion in future spending to take care of the wounded, injured, and ill veterans and their families for like the next 50 years. And that's a lot of money. Uh, you know, and, and what we're seeing right now we get calls every day at Bergman and Moore about the uh, claim appeal reform and then the VA so-called ramp program, which are two different things. And veterans call and they ask us, what do I do? What do I do? And here's the first thing I tell them. I tell them, sit down with your service officer, and they'll say, but I don't have one. Well, you need to get one. Sit down with your service officer, and look at the VA form. You see, the first VA form that VA wanted to send out on their ramp program asked veterans to withdraw their appeal. And you're like, well, wait, stop. We thought that ramp was supposed to help veterans get faster benefits for their appeal. No. VA wants the program called RAMP to have veterans withdraw their appeal. Now, the veterans groups, thank goodness, stepped up and um, they stopped VA from using the first form for RAMP. And then VA came out with another RAMP form and then a third RAMP form and they finally took off the the little box that says, I want to withdraw my claim. So what everybody needs to know right up front is that VA's whole intent, I saw it with the documents, was to have veterans withdraw their appeals. And you want to know why? Because if a veteran withdraws their appeal, that means the veteran has to reopen their claim. In order for a veteran to reopen their claim, they have to have what's called new and material evidence. In other words, new means something the government never saw before. However, it can't be duplicative, like just an update of your diagnosis. It has to be something that would change the outcome, I believe. Well, that's a harder burden than actually continuing to appeal. Because sometimes VA just did something wrong and the veteran would win. And here's the other big area where VA is really unfair, draconian. And, you know, if you're a veteran like me, you'd get really upset about this. If a veteran withdraws his or her appeal and then the veteran files a new claim and reopens the claim, and then VA says it's new and material evidence, and then the veteran wins, all those things good, right? 
the veteran yeah. won't get his or her retroactive benefits back to the original claim, the veteran will only get back benefits to the second reopened claim. And that, in some cases, if a veteran is rated 100%, that's about 40000 a year. And if a veteran had a claim pending just, say, five years, that's $200,000 the veteran just signed off. And this is why veterans really have to get a good advocate for their appeal. And what we share with the veterans is, is this. Most of the time, the veterans make the decision with their VSO not to join RAMP. Okay? However, I want to be fair, and I want to explain. There are some cases where going through RAMP might actually be beneficial for a veteran. Okay? You want to hear about it? Yeah, let's hear about this. Okay. Well, let's say a veteran has maybe a, a knee condition, right? He files his claim, and the VA can't find the records of where the veteran got hurt in the service, so the VA denies service connection. The VA says, hey, you might have a knee condition now, but we can't find that you got hurt in the military, so your claim gets denied, right? So the veteran appeals, but as part of the appeal process, the veteran finds some records that shows where he got hurt, right? Then the veteran signs up for the ramp and submits the new materials and says, hi, can, can you rate my claim? Okay. Well, if in that case, the veteran will get a fast decision, and he might only get like 10%, right? Yeah. But what the veteran really needs is the knee surgery that could be worth 10000 bucks. Now, a 10% rating, you and I know, is like maybe, what, 1000 bucks a year, 1500 bucks a year? For a veteran in pain, and the whole reason the veteran filed the claim in the first place was to get medical care. So if the veteran can, you know, sit down with his or her service officer and say, hey, I'm going to go with this ramp. I'm going to submit the additional evidence. It should work, um, and let's go for there. You know, then it might work. Um, but that's something the veteran needs to do with their service officer. No veteran should go against VA alone. Ever. Ever. Well, that's for sure. So, in certain cases, this RAMP program is beneficial. But that's in certain cases only. That's right. That's right. Well, that's good. But doesn't it? Doesn't the rent program move your claim up to the regional office you're working with and you take it to another regional office and the first set of eyes look at it? I'm getting some feedback there. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. I think he asked uh, uh, putting your program, your claim in a rent program. Uh, 
Does that move it now the the uh, regional office that it's in to a different one? Well, that's well, true. VA right, right now is shuffling is around, shuffling a, lot around a lot of claims and appeals. And appeals. That's, a, that's different a different program, and it's called the, National, called the National Work, Work Q. NWQ. Okay? And essentially, if you have a busy office that has too many claims, too many, too much staff, sorry, not enough staff, then VA will farm out those claims to offices that can handle the extra work. That national work queue is going hand-in-hand hand with, hand with ramp. So a veteran so a who veteran may want to participate in the ramp may not have may their, their so-called so expedited, expedited appeal handled at the handled regional at office regional in their state. In their state. <clears throat> it could be done could in, be Maine, done in Maine, or Maine or Seattle or, or, Montana. or Montana. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, that'd be hard to work with your claim sometimes. Oh, the veterans uh, groups are veterans not, are happy, not about happy about the national, the national work queue. And here's why. And here's why. What most veterans, what most don't, veterans know don't know is that when a that regional when a office regional makes, office a, decision, makes a, decision, a decision, the regional the office regional allows the allows veterans, veterans organization, organization that has power, that has of, attorney, power of attorney Usually two business days to look at the draft of the decision and sit down with the VA employee and point out any mistakes. So if the claim is sent from the regional office in Florida to the regional office in, pick a state, North Dakota, well, the veterans organization helping the veteran loses that two days. And the veterans groups are not happy about that. Unmuted. Well, that's... Uh, yeah. uh, now, the different veterans groups, didn't they have to approve this or, or go along with the VA for this... Uh, uh, type of program? Well, Gerald, that's a good question. The veterans groups really want to improve VA's broken claim appeal process. And as you may recall about 10 minutes ago, I pointed out that RAMP, which is what VA is doing now, is not the same as claim appeal modernization. See, President Trump signed into law the claim appeal modernization last summer at the American Legion Convention. Okay? VA is supposed to release, or what's called promulgate in the Federal Register, proposed regulations on how appeals modernization will work. It's a program to happen in the future, expected in 
February or March of 2019. However, RAMP is something completely different that VA launched on their own. And RAMP is not the same as appeals modernization. So what's happening is a lot of veterans seeing that RAMP is not appeals modernization are just waiting to see what appeals modernization is going to be. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, uh, it does make sense, but at the same time, it uh, uh, seems to me it just complicates the issue. Why don't they do you, something to simplify everything? <laughs> oh, Gerald, you are so right. You know, you call it And as one veteran said, to me, is this bait and switch? Did VA dangle appeals modernization in front of everybody and then suddenly say, oh, here's ramp? That's why the latest numbers I saw, it started at about 3% participation, and now it's about 5%. Participation for appeals and ramp, and now you do know there's about five hundred thousand appeals pending nationwide for v a disability claims, and they've been waiting three, five, ten years, and it's still a national disgrace six years wait eight years after I was on sixty minutes. Remember that, Gerald, when I broke the story nationwide. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that, Paul. And I, I can't believe here we are eight years later and it's still not fixed. But that's why at Bergman and more veterans are calling us every day about their PTSD claim appeals, their MST appeals, Agent Orange appeals. Individual unemployability appeals because they're tired of waiting and they're tired of VA's mistakes. Well, yeah. What do they do? I mean, you know, what can they do? Well, if I had a magic wand, Gerald. But I'm not anybody important. important. I would pull pull some of the president's staff staff and the Office of Management and Budget budget because they control control federal federal spending by the executive branch. branch. Then I would bring in the congressional staff staff who work on appropriation. appropriation. That's the spending spending of money. Then I would bring then in the bring Ways in and the Means ways committee. committee. That's the committee that's, the committee that's in charge that's of in setting, charge taxes. setting taxes. And I would say, I would say right, now, right now, there's a half a million half veterans million waiting, on their, waiting on their claims. 
Are you going to hire the people and train the people to make sure the claims are processed so the veterans can get paid and put food on the table and pay the rent and then get their VA care that they need and earn for the medical conditions related to their service in the war? It's pretty simple. And look at them. There's a war going on right now. Almost 30 years in Southwest Asia. So look at me right in the room. You're the people that raise taxes. You're the people that spend money. And then you're the actual executive branch that implements the policy and runs the VA hospital. Can you all work together to make sure veterans aren't dying? waiting for their benefits and waiting for their care? I bet you, Gerald, nobody has ever asked for a meeting where the veterans sit down with those people in the government and say, what are you going to do to fix it? Because what happens now is every couple of months there's a photo op with the veterans at the White House, there's some congressional testimony, usually between veterans and the House Veterans Affairs and the Senate Veterans Affairs, and less frequently, there's testimony between veterans and the Appropriations Committee, and then almost no testimony by veterans in front of the committees that raise taxes. Because you all heard that there was like this trillion-dollar tax cut for rich people, right? So here we have veterans waiting for care, and Congress voted on a tax cut. And now more veterans are waiting for care at VA. So the tax cut for the rich people really didn't help the veterans waiting in line for their VA care. Okay? And so the fundamental problem, Gerald, and this is the most important thing out of everything, Americans generally don't know how government works. And I I find this so funny all the time. Every every once in a while, somebody will say, I hate government because, well, all Congress does is tax and spend. And I heard somebody say that once, and I went and grabbed a little constitution. And in Article 1, the very front of the constitution, it says, the jobs of Congress... Or, or is to raise taxes and to spend money on what people need. So when you hear someone say they don't want Congress to tax and spend, essentially that person is saying, I don't want Congress to do their job. I don't want them to do anything about anything. <laughs> so, you know, folks have to know that if they want, as American voters, American citizens, to make sure there aren't homeless veterans on the street. They need to make sure that their congressman is told, you're going to do what you're supposed to do so that there's the right amount of taxes to make sure when a veteran shows up at a VA hospital to see a doctor, they don't wait. And when a veteran needs that disability check because they can't work, because they got hurt in the war or sick in the war or exposed to poisons or ejected with some experimental drug, uh, and they can't work, 
They need the money so they can support themselves with food on the table and rent and pay the air conditioning bill. Uh, you know, nobody's asking them to buy a Maserati or a Mercedes-Benz, and nobody's asking for a mansion in the mountains. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I dare contest anybody try to live in New York City on $40,000. Last I heard, you need about $100,000 just to have an, an apartment in the city. So, you know, uh, nobody's getting rich on veteran benefits, and there isn't any fraud. You know, there's a couple of cases a year in veterans benefits, but there sure are a lot of veterans waiting, and that's just a national outrage, national outrage. Is that good for my soapbox, Gerald? Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's really something. Uh, you know, it costs a lot of money to live in New York, but, uh, you know, veterans don't have to live in New York. I, I imagine they have a lot of veterans around the New York area. But... Uh, Something well, that's why they done. retire to Florida, where it's cheap. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. Or, or, but, or uh, Arizona. <laughs> or Arizona, yeah. Hot in the day and cold in the winter. I mean, cold at night. Uh, how many people, uh, veterans, now we've been fighting this crazy war going on how many years? Uh, well, I checked this morning, 27 years. 27 years. How many veterans does that involve? Well, the, the veterans we're at right now is pushing about 3 million, and the number who have deployed is 3.5 million going toward 4 million. And here's one of the challenges. With counting all of them, and this is serious, Gerald, this is real serious, about 40%, I think it may be close to 50% now, of the service members who have gone to a war zone since 9-11 have gone twice or more. Yes, I know. And when someone goes to war twice or more, they're more likely to get hurt or shot or exposed to toxins or have psychological trauma. Yeah, PTSD is running rapid in them, I imagine. Yep. So do the math. And in the New York Times in 2006. I wrote a letter that was published that said, based on my job as the project manager monitoring the casualties from Iraq and Afghanistan since 1990, I estimated that just for Iraq and Afghanistan since 2001 that we would see 400,000 mental health patients. And boy, was my number low. Okay? About 60% of the veterans treated by VA after going to the Iraq or Afghanistan war zones have been diagnosed with one or more mental health condition. You're right, um, Gerald. 
PTSD is a really serious issue, but there's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is that there's less stigma, so the veterans are more willing to go forward, and we have a lot to do with thanking the Vietnam veterans to set up the vet centers and and work with veterans coming home and say it's okay to get help. It's okay to call the the crisis line if you need to talk to somebody right away. So those are really good things that VA has done. But on the bad side, we're looking at hundreds and hundreds of thousands of veterans flooding into a VA where there aren't enough doctors to treat them right away. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something to you that most folks haven't made the connection on, Gerald. You remember Tomah, Wisconsin, and Doctor Candyman and Candyland? Yes. Okay. And the opioid problem among veterans. That happened before the opioid problem with civilians. Because the opioid companies were pushing drugs on VA for mental health conditions and all the pain from the physical injuries of the veterans because it was cheaper for VA to give veterans pills than to bring the veterans in for face-to-face medical care and psychological therapy. And then that started to bleed over into the civilian world. You know, remember the the opium dens and heroin addicts and the drug problem after Vietnam War? A lot of times after war, you'll see a rise in drug addiction among veterans most of the time because they have physical and mental health conditions. And then shortly thereafter, you'll see a rise in civilian drug-related problems. And that's what we're seeing. It's it's not pretty. Well, it looks like we're going to see another round of that because all these veterans... New veterans, I know I go to the Benito, Oklahoma uh, uh, clinic, and uh, they told me that in the last couple of years, they've just been overwhelmed with with new veterans. And, uh, you know, that's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and... Uh, the area and the, and they're just swamped with with new uh, new veterans coming in, and they're all I was from the Gulf War in front area. Of Congress, that you are exactly <laughs> right, Gerald. Right, Ten thousand new Iraq and Afghanistan veterans were flooding into VA hospitals every month. That's the bad news. The bad now, the good news, the good news is that we reveal a newspaper out of um, Emeryville, uh, Oakland, Emeryville, California, California, also called the also Center called for the Investigative, Center for Investigative Reporting. Reporting. They broke they the opioid broke the problem, problem now, I think, now, about five or six years ago, 
at VA. And as a result, there were hearings in Congress, and VA started to cut back veterans on opioids and shift them to other drugs. We're still seeing whether or not, you know, that's beneficial for the veteran, but at least we know now that VA is not making the problem worse by flooding everything with opioids. Um, so, you know, VA got the message. What we need to do, you know, in the, in the real world is to continue to encourage veterans to go to VA if they need care. And if a veteran is having any challenge at all, sit down with a veterans group to get help to understand what's going on. Because you know what? VA won't explain it to you. I've been in dozens and dozens of VA hospitals all over the country, and 99.9% of the VA medical staff know nothing about claims. Okay? That's why we need the veterans groups to help the veterans with the claim filing and some of the appeal stuff. But then, if, you know, if a veteran really runs into a hornet's nest or they've kicked over, you know, the, the fire ant nest and they need some help dealing with VA, then they need to, you know, pick up the phone and call somebody like Bergman and Moore and say, hey, I need help with my appeal. VA is giving me to run around and I don't know what all these forms are and I don't know what the deadlines are and, and you know, the VA will bury you in paperwork. So, uh, you know, the veterans have to keep going to VA while folks like you and me keep fighting to make sure VA has enough doctors uh, and make sure VA has enough claims processors because, you know, Gerald, the only folks who are going to make VA work right are us veterans standing together shoulder to shoulder saying, hey, you are not going to let our buddies die waiting. Well... There's got to be more getting involved uh, in the uh, passing on of information uh, to these newer veterans uh, uh, in order to to help them get going in the right direction because so many of them are going to get off on the wrong foot and it's really going to to affect them later on in the claims process. Uh, so they need the expert help uh, in the beginning, not, you know, uh, as soon as they can get, get the help to get their claim in the proper perspective it needs to be, uh, they need to, uh, uh, whether they know it or not, I need to uh, go to these veteran sites such as hadit.com, uh, <coughs> which is an excellent site for good information. Oh, contact you know it agents, is. Contact agencies like Bergman and Moore, and and there's uh, a lot of good uh, other places they can secure information. But... They have to have the proper information to work with. And well, you know that's well, you that's, know, that's, 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 that's that's true, that's Gerald. True, and Gerald, there's some and good news on that front. <laughs> the, the VA is doing a little bit better job doing outreach. 
And then they have the VA experience office. And and let's let's give them credit for trying. But some of the folks filling in the gap are like in California. The California Department of Veterans Affairs, CalVet, has their own state program that reaches out to veterans. They don't have to be the veterans just coming back. They reach out to all veterans from 20 years old to, I don't think there's a veteran, 120, but maybe 100 who might need any any help. So there's more information getting out. And you know how we know that to be true? Because about, you know, 30 years after the end of the Vietnam War, only about 20% of the Vietnam veterans were using their benefits. And about 10 years into the Gulf War, about 30% of the Gulf War veterans were using their benefits. For the 9-11 veterans who've been in the military, gone overseas, and come back and discharged since 9-11, about 60% of them are using their VA benefits. So the word's getting out because the veteran benefit and health care use is going way up. But a lot of that came about because the veterans were fighting to get the new benefits, and every time there'd be new benefits, there'd be more news on the on the TV and more news in the paper about what the veterans earned. Um, you know, when we fought for the five years of free care for any veteran who went to a war zone since 1998, you know, VA has seen way more veterans getting the free care uh, within the first five years after discharge, after returning home from the war, than they ever thought they would. Uh, and that's good. You know, and then we fought for the change in the PTSD rule, and hundreds of thousands of veterans got benefits and care for that after it was in the news. And then, you know, the Vietnam veterans did a great job fighting for the Agent Orange benefits for conditions like diabetes, prostate cancer, heart conditions, a whole bunch of other stuff that, uh, you know, it's been eight years since those benefits are passed, but I still run across Vietnam veterans that say, what do you mean? I got prostate cancer. And I'll say, yeah, VA will give you the surgery and give you benefits for it. And they're like, they are so happy uh, because most of the time they're, they're retired now, the youngest Vietnam veterans, about, and maybe their insurance wasn't as good as when they were employed. So they're real happy that VA is going to pick up the cost of the prostate surgery and then pay the veteran for their, you know, suffering uh, due to having a prostate cancer. So, you know, it's us veterans fighting and uh, and and knowing what we need uh, and, and, and not giving up and fighting and fighting uh, so that VA knows that they need to take a better job of that, better care of us. Because, you know, battlefields now are way more toxic and, and way more dangerous. Uh, you know, because all the, the different kinds of weapons we got, you know, used to be just afraid of the bullets or the cannons. Well, now you got to be afraid of gases and poisons and radiation and burn pits and vaccines and pills. And, you know, the, the warfare has changed. Unmuted. Well, absolutely warfare has changed. I think you're going to deal with more exposure issues uh, because uh, getting exposed out there in the field uh, can affect so many veterans at one time and that's what they're going to run into. A lot of these veterans uh, are going to be coming sick 
exposed to something, not knowing what. And uh, it's hard to make a a exposure claim unless you can nail down the exact chemical or agent that you were exposed to. And so many times uh, when you have something like the burn pits, it's a concoction of, of chemical agents. Instead of saying, look, you were there, you were exposed, and uh, here's the presumptives. Uh, but if you have one of these and the fact that you were there, we're going to uh, compensate you and uh, take care of you. But they're not doing that. Uh, they keep saying, well, we have to investigate or research or do this or do that. It's just time killer because the oh, yeah, because none of those VA officials want to stand up in front of Congress and say we need another trillion dollars. Well, maybe that's the true story, but, uh, you know, they can always crank up the printing presses and go run some more money. They seem to build good whenever they want to. Uh, just crank them up. I'm sure we got a lot of veterans and volunteers to help keep them going. Uh, oh, well, well I, I hear you, Jerry. You're exactly right. And one of the things that's adding to the problem with VA is now, I know it's terrible if you get shot, it's horrible. But more and more veterans are surviving getting shot due to advances in medical care. And now the veterans are living longer with these more severe disabilities. So everything is more expensive. The toxic exposures getting blown up. The mental health needs of veterans. There's more of it. Well, that's true, and uh, uh, where's it going to end? If they want to fight in these wars, they have to take care of the veterans that have been been harmed, uh, some of them severely, whether they've been shot or or exposed to something, some of them very severely. Injured, and some of them not, not even going to know it for quite a few years. Some of this uh, exposure issues takes years to manifest itself. You're right. You're right. I, I so much I, enjoy I talking to you, Gerald, because it's like a mutual agreement society. society. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that we could we could have some of those VA folks and Office of Management and Budget folks and those congressional folks and say, why don't you ever just sit down and have a couple of beers with us? Okay, if you want to drink, we'll give them a Shirley Temple. But I'll provide the hot dog. All right. And we just sit down and say, are we going to fix this or are you just going to sit and draw fancy diagrams about how you can't? Well, how they can't don't really work with me because I know they got those printing presses. When they want money, they can get money. So 
Uh, that's well, great about living in the country and make it so <laughs> Well, uh, I was uh, they... given speech um, last, uh, week last week based on based information, information from, from Brown University. Brown University. They have a website called Cost of War. And right now, today, if the war stopped and there were no more casualties, right? And it all just stopped, right? Right now, today. The United States has spent four and a half trillion dollars. That's money gone downstream, ain't never going to see it again. Okay, but did you know there's almost $9 million, excuse me, $9 trillion of future spending, about $1 trillion just on veteran care and disability benefits, and then another $8 trillion on the debt, on the $3.5 trillion over the next 40, 50 years. War ain't cheap. And this is why you need folks who have a cool head, who are elected to government, who understand what government is supposed to do. Uh, and, and it's really important that everybody makes sure that they're registered and voted out there. And one of the best things I always know is, did you know the group most likely to register and vote is you and me, Gerald? Yeah, veterans. That's right. I vote every time I get a chance. Yep. You know that old patent saying? When you reach over to what you thought was your buddy's head and you find a bunch of goo, you'll know what to do. When we come home, we make sure no veteran gets left behind. We have to do what we can, everything we can, to help other veterans, especially the newer veterans coming along, so they don't make the mistakes we did. Uh, you know, when I got out of service, uh, I think they had a parade, so they <laughs> glad to get rid of me. <laughs> but... but uh, uh, you know, nobody told me nothing. Uh, don't let the door hit you in the back going out. <laughs> so, oh, I remember to go get my GI Bill benefits. And I was at the college, and I said, Hi, uh, where do I get my Army college fund? And this maybe 18-year-old young woman behind the counter was a student, and she said, oh, we don't do the Army College Fund here. Of course, I'm about to lose my mind, right? Yeah. And I said, are you sure? Because the Army told me to ask the college about my benefits. 
And then another woman came over. She was in her 20s. She's like, no, I don't know anything about the Army College Fund. And I'm like, you mean I gave $100 out of my paycheck for a year while I was in the war zone? And I don't get anything for it? And pretty soon both of the young women... Okay, I mean, they they both look really young. They go back to the way back back office, and they get the old guy. And he comes out, and he looks at me with my army jacket, and he says, you just get back to the war, son? Yes. I said, yeah, I'm asking about my army college fund. And he said, well, yeah, that's the GI Bill. And I go, oh, you're great. So where are the army forms to get my benefits? And he kind of looks at me, leans over the counter. He said, that's handled by the Veterans Administration. And I said, who's that? Because the army never told me that I had to do the Army army Benefits through the VA. Yeah, VA needs to do a better job. job. Oh, absolutely. I've talked to some Gulf War veterans that said they had like a week, a week or so, two weeks of mustering out, and they told them all kinds of information. Well, they're, it's getting better. I got about a half a day when I got back in 1991. Well, they didn't give me that. I didn't think they filled my car full of gas. (laughs) (laughs) Keep keep moving. But, uh, well, it's getting better in that respect. I think uh, this day and age of the computer, your veterans are a lot more educated or or knowledgeable about the benefits that do them. And that's, that's really good. But that's, a lot of that is due to the computer. Uh, they can go ask any question just about and Google in, and it'll take them to the right places. Yep, yep. yep, yep. So when do you want to so do another to do interview, another Gerald? Interview, couple weeks? Gerald, couple weeks? Well, uh, let's plan on one here in uh, two or three weeks. Yeah, I don't want to burn you out. Gerald. I get invigorated talking to all y'all that had it. Y'all do a good job. I know Teresa T-Bird putting all kind of stuff out there. Oh, yeah. She's done an excellent job with had it. I've been so busy. I hardly have no time to do any social media. Well, this gave you a chance to get out to the real people. Oh, oh, I do. I go out and uh, meet with veterans all the way from North Dakota, Mountains of California, 
Arizona, Arizona Texas, Texas, Georgia, Georgia Puerto, Rico. Puerto Rico. Oh, you name it. Oh, I've been. I've, I've, I've done it. You've been, been to forty-nine states. Well, that's quite a deal. Yeah. Oh, if you ever want me to tell stories about the veterans I run into and the horrors they got with VA, you just book a time, and and I'll give you a couple of horror stories about how VA has absolutely destroyed some veterans. Oh, I know. I know. That can be. Uh, Yeah. You won't even have to tell a lie. (laughs) <laughs> Don't even have to exaggerate. The stuff VA does blows my mind. I, I saw a rating decision the other day, Gerald. And you and I know a veteran generally needs three things to win a claim. To have to have a current condition, like Billy Bob got his leg blown off. Yeah. You have to have an, have event. To have an event. Billy Bob earned Billy a Purple, Bob Heart, earned medal Purple Heart medal by stepping on a bomb, stepping in, Baghdad. A bomb in Baghdad. And then a doctor, then a doctor had, to amputate, had to amputate. And he put in the, record, put in the record that he had, that to, amputate he had to amputate Billy Bob's leg, Bob's leg because Billy Bob because stepped Billy on a landmine in, land in Baghdad. Baghdad. Right? And you yeah. and I know that you that's supposed that to be like a slam dunk like case, case, right? Case, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm we glad agree on this. We agree on this. Well, well, I've seen some I've claims seen lately. lately. Usually, usually, these are really tough, really claims. tough claims. And I want everybody to know this is really serious. serious and, and we and, need to be really, really careful, careful, sensitive, and understanding. I've seen a I've lot of rape, lot claims, of rape lately claims lately because more because men, more and, women men and women are coming forward, are coming forward to say that, to they, say were that they were assaulted in the military. In the military. And then the veteran, then the gets, veteran gets help with the service officer and files a claim. And then we see the rating decision where VA says no. And I'm going to paraphrase paraphrase VA's language language just to protect the veteran, okay? okay? Yeah. The language will say, say, we we concede concede you are diagnosed diagnosed with PTSD. PTSD. We concede concede you were raped raped in the military. military. We concede concede that your PTSD... is related, is related to your, to your being, raped being raped in the military. In the military. Now I'm going to stop now right there. Stop right there. Gerald, Gerald, does that sound like VA is, is going to grant the claim? Not really, because uh, that sounds like some of the claims I put in. We can see you were exposed to this or that or something else. But... Uh, What's the problem, you know? Well, VA on this one would concede that the veteran had the condition, PTSD. The veteran had the event 
that she was raped. She was raped. And the veteran and the had veteran the doctor saying that the PTSD was related to the rape in the service, the nexus. And then there would be a comma. And then the veteran say, however, we're de- de- denying your claim. And then not list a reason. Unmuted. Well, how in the world could they not list a reason? Welcome to VA. Well, I know. It's tragic. It's tragic. It's horrible. It's horrible. And, and, and we've got we've to support, got our, support men our men and women, and women who've, been assaulted, who've been assaulted, who finally, who came, finally forward came forward to get care, to get care at a VA at hospital, a VA only hospital to be told they needed to be service-connected. And so they filed the claim. And then they get denied. And then the veteran doesn't get his or her care. Now there's a little bit of good news. A veteran can now call VA and assert or state that they were assaulted in the military and the VA will give counseling. Without the veteran Without having, the veteran to, win having the to win the claim, but it's real but important really to encourage the veteran to call, like the women veteran outreach person at the clinic, or for the or veteran for the to call the vet center and know that this counseling is available without first winning a claim. That just, to me, don't make sense. Uh, admit to the fact, and that the the assault was committed, and that the veteran was a victim. How in the world can they not service? I mean, you know, that'd be a PTSD claim. So and, how could they not write that as as a proper uh, crime and and give no reason? Don't they have to give a statement of case? Well, the veteran would have to appeal, and a lot of times veterans don't know they can appeal or their service officer doesn't get back to them and they don't know what to do. That's where it's real important. Well, if if there are veterans out there who were assaulted and the veteran now has uh, PTSD or depression or another mental health condition or even physical condition, because some rapes do cause uh, medical conditions, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and then sometimes an inability to have children uh, due to those diseases and stuff like that, and, and those are serious. Uh, they're very real problems, and they're they're serious. Uh, if if any veterans are denied their VA benefits, uh, they need to you know call up a veterans group and appeal, or call up Bergman and Moore and see if we can help them. Well, that's right. Uh, there's got to be help out there somewhere. I would think 
on appeal they would win, but maybe that's not always. Well, we know that's not always the case. They might and have to appeal have be with appealed the in the first office. place. Right, they shouldn't have to appeal in the first place. You're right. But the veteran can appeal at the regional office on the notice of disagreement form, or the veteran can appeal to the Board of Veterans uh, Appeals on the, the Form 9 form, or the veteran can appeal to the court. You know, they have to do each of those in the right order. But there is hope. There is a way to overturn VA's mistakes. What the veterans just have to know is pick up the phone and call and see if, you know, there's a legit grounds for an appeal. Well, I would think in a deal like that, there would be. Well, you know, um, Gerald, in, when I've sat down with both men and women on some of the rape and PTSD claims, uh, sometimes the, the veteran and the survivor of the crime, because it is a crime to, to assault somebody, they, it was hard enough to survive the assault and then hard enough to file the claim. And do they really want to keep going? Because it's so emotionally draining. It really is. And uh, sometimes I've, I've talked to veterans and they'll go, is it worth it to appeal? And you could just see the hopelessness. And what we veterans can do for each other is to share that we've got to keep hope alive. We, we got to be able to bring our brothers and sisters in for care and bring them in to help them win their claims. Well, there's a lot of work to be done. And amen on that, Gerald. Amen. Well, we're about out of time here, Paul. By golly, I'm glad you got called in. And uh, oh, it's my my fault. I, I I must have hit the wrong button, and then I kept hearing you guys talk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you made it. Uh, we didn't give you. Uh, too bad a, a cousin, but uh, <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm we're glad to have I'm you good. on. And yeah, good and good uh, to have you back. I always missed you, buddy. Yeah, my well, man. Thanks. You get me all like riled a, up on the phone call talking about VA and veterans. That's well, all we do. <laughs> like a long lost brother came home, you know. <laughs> well, you, you guys are great. And, and now, what state are y'all in? Missouri, right? I'm in Missouri and Johnson, Kentucky. Okay, I was in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. How far are y'all from Kansas City? Hey, 186 miles. Oh, straight forty. <laughs> well, if my daughter was driving, that's about two hours. If I'm driving, it's about three or four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
buy her some lighter well, shoes, Paul. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you can buy her some lighter shoes. Uh, well, you know, I don't know who taught her how to drive, but she'd be great in Baghdad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, cut I've that part out of the tape. <laughs> No, I, I taught my daughter how to how to fire a rifle and how to drive a stick shift, and she's really good. She's really good. That's good. good. So, yeah, I also know that all boys have Ebola, and you know that helped a lot too. <laughs> Let me get back with you, Paul, and when we can get you back on here, I like get you on uh, so we can. Get some good information here. Well, why don't we call up and and uh, maybe next time we talk about horror stories and then how to put the toothpaste back in the tube after a VA horror story. Oh, that works. <laughs> yeah. I think we might do that show in two weeks, Cheryl. Oh, well, okay. We'll just well, I'm going to be on the road for the next couple of weeks, so... You caught me right before I'm about to to go out of town. Um, oh. Okay, well. Yep. Well, when you Some get back, holler at me. Okay. Um, how about July is just crazy for me. I can't believe it's almost July. Um, uh-huh. How about you check in with me about the middle of August? Middle of August. Middle of August. Yeah. Okay. That'll work. Yeah, we'll I'll give you right. a call. All right, guys, be good. Have right, a good thank you, Paul. Thanks a lot. Already. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show. <laughs>